So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing rather than Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption." Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. So all these Sundays we've been reading from this letter to Ephesians this month. Last week we were in the early verses of chapter 4, and the author was talking about the challenges of getting along getting along with each other in the church. That sounded like a struggle, but the verses today, unfortunately, it seems to me, paint an even darker picture of some of the things going on in the early church. Listen to the things he addresses as problems amongst them. Falsehood, to begin with, put away falsehood, he says. Then it's anger, And after that, give up stealing. Then he says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths. And then finally in verse 31, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. I'm reading that and thinking, pretty rough crowd. (laughs) Maybe that's not a group I want to hang out with anyway. Maybe I would just leave. If all that's going on in the place that's supposed to be my place is spiritual nourishment. But this author has a different idea. Rather than leaving, the suggestion is in this letter to the Ephesians suggests making better choices as followers of Christ. Just before where we began to read, back up there in verse 22, there, here is a reminder. It says, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." All through this letter, there's this theme that Christ opens the door for us to a new life, to be renewed, and to live a life in Christ, and that that life would look different than our old life that, as this said, was corrupted in different ways. 
But it says once the door is open, we still have to learn some new ways. We have to learn some new behaviors. We get this whole list of positive alternatives, the new way or the new self, new behaviors that we are to strive for as followers of Christ. I want to read them to you again. After it talked about falsehood, it said, here's the alternative. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. Then when he talks about anger, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, if you have those feelings, fine, but deal with them. Don't nurse them. Don't hang on to them. Don't carry them around with you, but deal with them and let them go. And then after stealing, it says all should labor and work honestly. And then after it talks about don't let any evil talk come out of your mouth, it says only speak what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. What if none of us spoke unless we were saying words that built up. There might be more silence in our world, but there might be a whole lot more positive energy if all of us were choosing to only speak words that build up another. And then he has this beautiful phrase that you should speak your words that they might give grace to those who hear. What if you thought about what you said had the power to offer or to extend to someone else God's grace, God's love, so that they experienced favor with God, so that they knew that God's love was surrounding them and drawing them ever closer. And then in verse 32, these alternative behaviors he's describing, he says, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. As God in Christ has forgiven you. Our behavior is not to be based so much on what someone else is doing, but what God has done for us in Christ. What behaviors do you experience in the groups you participate in? What kind of group would you prefer to be in, given the choices that are described here? Would you rather be a part of the angry, stealing, mean-speaking group or the honest, kind-speaking-to-give-grace group? It's also prudent to take a minute or two from time to time to examine your own behavior to honestly assess what you are contributing to the groups in which you participate. What kind of behavior are you exhibiting? What kind of words are you speaking? What kind of attitudes are you bringing? This letter gives us a contrast. Ask us to make better choices as followers of Christ to embody this life in Christ, this forgiveness and love that we have received so that others may come to know it as well. 
the early monastics, or sometimes they're called the desert fathers and mothers, moved away from towns and villages and cities to focus on life in Christ, trying to live together and help one another live a life. They usually devoted themselves to prayer. In the book, The Spirituality of Imperfection, it talks about how they worked on their Christian life together. I want to read you a few sentences. It says the key phrase was, pay attention to yourself. The emphasis is always and continually on self-knowledge, knowing oneself, and honestly accepting, owning one's own imperfections. For honesty, it says, is first and foremost honesty with self And true honesty concerns acknowledge and accepting our own imperfection. Pay attention to yourself and allow others to do the same. For other people can deal with their own imperfections. They don't need someone else to point out their problems. One of my favorite stories from this time period, and we have lots of these stories sort of parables from these monastics that were so serious and so dedicated to living the Christian life concerns a group whose leader was Abba Moses. It says that one day one of the brothers committed a fault and others noticed it and convened the council, the community council, to determine what they should do, how they should treat this brother who committed a fault. They all gathered together But Abba Moses wasn't there. Their revered leader didn't show up. They waited for a while. Then they sent one of the brothers to go find him, to tell him, we have all gathered and we're waiting for you to come and convene the council. He picks up an old cracked water jug, pours water into it, and then begins to walk from his room to the place of the council meeting all the while water dripping out of the jug. He gets to the council. They're all kind of worked up and excited, ready to pass judgment on this one brother who's been found with a fault. But they see their leader with this jug dripping water, dripping water. They say, what is this? I put his answer in the outline. He said, my sins run out behind me, and I do not see them. And today, I'm asked to come judge the faults of another. One by one, the brothers depart, each of them deciding forgiveness perhaps is the better way and to stop speaking ill of one of their brothers. This passage from Ephesians today encourages us to look at our own behavior, to face our own faults, and at the same time know that God offers us forgiveness. In the very last verse of chapter 4, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then it's reiterated in the last verse we read, live in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians says we are able to lead a Christian life, not because of our greatness, but because of what God has done for us in Christ. How God has revealed God's love as able to walk with us through all things, forgive us any of our faults or shortcomings or sins, and empower us to lead a more fruitful life. We can live a life of love because Christ loved us first because God loved us first or you could say saved us or redeemed us or restored us or justified us God offers us salvation in Christ and that empowers us to be able to live this life of Christ that we are called to live it's helpful to remember, I think, that these letters were often read like a sermon in a gathering like this, so they would read the whole letter. So if they were reading the whole letter by the time they got to chapter 4 and 5, they would have just heard this summary of the gospel back in chapter 2. Remember, it says this, But God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us, in Christ Jesus. So much packed into these few chapters of Ephesians and right in those verses, such important theological meat for us, one that God relates to us out of God's mercy and love, that even when we're dead or estranged, that God wants to draw us back, that God is seeking to draw us back and bring us alive again in God's love. That God's primary way of dealing with us is through grace. Through grace you have been saved. That is through God's love or God's unmerited favor of you. And then finally, that this work of God in our life is beyond our comprehension in some ways. They use the word immeasurable. The immeasurable riches of God's grace are shown to us, and not just to the first readers of this, it says, but to all generations. God is at work in our lives. I hope you can hear that as good news, but not just hear it, but really let it soak in to receive it into your life, to integrate it into your life as the foundation from which you live. This relationship you have with God through Christ based on God's love for you. It's good news that can change the way we live, change the way we see and understand ourselves and change the way we relate to one another. Finally, in those last two verses we read, it begins to talk about what happens. What does the future look like for those of us who receive Christ into our lives? 
And it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I told you last week or reminded you of that story that happened in Thailand in 2018 where the monsoon rains came and the boys soccer team excuse me had hiked into the cave and the water came rushing in blocked their passage out how thousands of people came together to figure out where they were to find them and to rescue them it was a harrowing experience for everyone involved. I talked last week about how wonderful it was that so many people came together and how all of them contributed to saving these 12 boys and their coach, bringing them out alive. The part of the story I didn't share was about the two divers that died trying to rescue them. Two lost their lives in an effort to save these boys. One was one of the first divers that went in when they finally figured out they're going to have to go underwater to get to these boys. And he received a cut that became infected that later got into his bloodstream and he died. Another was a former Thai Navy SEAL who was out of the military by then in a secular job but came back and volunteered to use his diving skills from before. He was doing some of the pre-work, taking supplies, setting out air tanks, that kind of thing. Got tangled up underwater in the cave and ran out of air before he could return and died. But I want us to think about them for a minute and the care and concern I don't think it's too strong to say the love that they showed for these boys that they did not know personally. They went into this treacherous task, recognizing the risk and deciding to take them nonetheless to risk their own lives for the sake of somebody else's life. And indeed, in these two cases, they gave up their own life so that these 12 boys and their coach could be rescued, could be brought out alive. That's not the same as Jesus being put to death on the cross. But I think it is the same impulse of wanting good to come to others, to be imitators of God, as this letter says, to live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us sometimes we're called to sacrifice and suffer on behalf of someone else to extend the love of god it's not always literal death that we give to do this there's so many different ways we can give of ourselves and our resources for the good of someone else to help someone else know God's love or come to faith or to be blessed. Henry Nouwen was a great writer, professor, was a Roman Catholic priest. He writes about what he calls radical servanthood in a book called Compassion, Reflection on the Christian Life. I want to read you a few verses of how he talks about this idea of life in Christ being one of giving 
and serving others. He writes, Radical servanthood does not make sense unless we introduce a new level of understanding and see it as the way to encounter God. When we begin to see God, the source of all our comfort and consolation, in the center of servanthood, compassion becomes much more than doing good for unfortunate people. Radical servanthood as the encounter with the compassionate God, is not an enterprise in which we try to surround ourselves with as much misery as possible, but a joyful way of life in which our eyes are open to the vision of the true God who chose to be revealed through servanthood. Here we are touching the profound spiritual truth that service is an expression of the search for God and not just of the desire to bring about individual or social good. Ephesians calls us into this life in Christ and these passages give us opportunities as they show us insights into how this can happen. Opportunities for us to grow in our life in Christ. Ephesians encourages us to live in love as we live in Christ, equipped by God to do Christian work, experiencing spiritual power and finding peace. May it be so for you and me. Amen.